Welcome to my podcast, Susie Explores, a podcast with me, Susie Collier. My guest today is the incredible singer-songwriter and recent Grammy Award winner, Madison Cunningham. We talked in earnest about so many things, including what it's like to be a natural people pleaser and how to make choices in life. We also delved into what it's like to grow older and what it takes to live life to the full. You know, there is so much to say, but don't you think it's a weird thing that I feel that we've met each other really in quite a major way? I do too. Have we actually met in person though? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I know, but I already feel like I know you. I mean, it's obviously Jacob will come back and he'll just say, this is why we get on. And Hmm. this is just, and this is why it works. And and you must talk about homeschooling and, and everything because... It's just going to chime a bell. And then Sophie and I came to your gig that was in Islington. And we, didn't, right. and, we, and we didn't stay around to say hello because I just felt I didn't have any right to come and just say, hey, it's me. And actually, there was something really precious for the two of us to just think, we're just having a night out. We came to see someone we really love. And then we were able to just kind of leave you to to be with all the people you needed to be with and it felt the right thing in such a major way to not say hello at that moment oh my goodness i wish i wish that we would have been able to i I would have loved it but i you know it is me as a as a concert goer when i go to see some of my friends i'm always like i don't want to like i'm not going to assume that you want to hang right now you know like i'm always and i'm sure you you know being on the inside of it you understand the balance too so there's always this like you happen to be the one person that I would have really loved to have seen, but I, I understand that sort of like wanting to be sensitive of, you know, post-show hang or whatever. Well, the other thing is that it's different if I've been involved in some kind of a way. And so seeing Chris, well, I see Chris because I've met him and and uh, and we've had a few moments. And, yeah. and the love that comes from all of my family to you is something that we've had for a really long time but actually Jacob is your mate and I just didn't want to I didn't want to presume to take that space so I still feel that the right thing happened and then of course I didn't see you in New York um, which was a really strange I thing <laughs> I know but it's going to happen again though no, but I it's feel gonna, that it will that combination of um, you and Chris and Jacob Gave Jacob enough food to kind of feed him for a lifetime, really. <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, me too. I, that was like a real career highlight because I felt like the respect was so distributed evenly among us. And and we all sort of, I think, understood the assignment, which was like, you know, prepare as much as you can, but really leave as much to the moment as you can. And um I I was just telling someone yesterday, if it had been with anybody else, I would have been a little bit panicked about that. But because it was them, I felt very like um, assisted on the (laughs) tightrope. I think it's interesting. Assisted on the tightrope is an expression that I've never come across. And maybe you've just coined it right now. But I really like that because surely that embraces the idea that you can be open to experiencing the moment, but you somehow feel safe. Yes, Exactly. There's no, it didn't feel like there was real um, ramifications for if it were to have gone wrong. I feel like we all would have just laughed about it. Maybe the audience would have been disappointed. <laughs> but I I do, I did feel like there was also enough humor to get us through it too. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't shrouded in just 
seriousness the whole time. I don't think it was, but I think it's interesting when we say, I wonder what the audience who came to that really prestigious place and it's all had a makeover and it's all rather special, what's going to happen when it goes wrong? But in a sense, I'd say that with the three of you, nothing was ever going to go wrong. There would have been plenty of unpredictability and, hey, that's kind of, that's an interesting direction. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Wow, what just happened? (laughs) No, what just happened? But I can't just dwell on that right now because I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to live in the present. (laughs) We've got more to do. (laughs) Yeah, I really think so. Um, But the other thing that I, I really love is the idea that you say the respect was distributed kind of in an even way. Yeah. And I don't know how many times we can say that. It's really, it's electrifying and wonderful to work pe- with people with whom you just feel, mm, I've got a thing, I've got an affinity, I've got a connection. But yes. when respect is that kind of evenly kind of apportioned, here's your piece of pie, here's yours and here's yours. And actually, we've all taken a third. Exactly. Well, exactly. It felt like we all also were very secure in who we were as musicians and i i didn't i didn't sense insecurity or posturing at all like and also i just don't think that exists in either either one of jacob or chris and i think it i you know i don't i don't feel that way i feel like music should be deeply collaborative but i think you're right like we we don't there's only a handful of times in my life where i can really say that i respect everybody in the room and feel respected by you know and I I do my best to put myself in those situations as much as possible because every, you know, yes is a no to something else and no is a yes to something else. And so I'm always trying to be like, how can I save space for, for people and musicians and moments like that? Because that's the most, you know, that filled my pantry too, my spiritual pantry. <laughs> I really, I, yeah, the spiritual pantry is um <laughs> is full. But I think it's difficult because... I think sometimes we will look at a situation and we'll think that looks a really good thing to say yes to. I feel that my pantry is going to be filled. And then you can look yeah. at another situation and say, I think that maybe my larder is empty and it's going yes. to remain so. But we don't know. And I think with every decision that we make, we actually don't know how it's going to feel. And I think we can be surprised mm. in both ways. We can think this is going to be the most epic hang ever. And I'm going to feel so much inspiration because the other one that both of them have said to me are, you know, it's just going to be amazing and the combination is going to be wonderful. So you get really excited and maybe it doesn't feel like that. So yeah, I wonder really what generates that positivity that um, says, I'm going to say yes to that opportunity or I'm going to say, no, I don't think I really want to be doing this right now. How does that happen for you? That's such a good question. I mean, there's kind of I, I, generally, if something uh, scares me a little bit, I, I at least pause and, and think about my answer um, towards it. Because I think I, I do believe that being plucked out of your your comfort zone is really important. And to to be in a room of people that are greater than you is really impo- important as well yeah. and remaining curious and challenged. And, you know, I, I would say it's like... When I sense fear and excitement, that's always a great thing. That's like a cocktail for success and beauty, you know. But if I fear, if I feel fear and dread, but I'm I'm drawn to it, 
<laughs> I'm drawn to it because of some other like outside force, like let's say something gross like money. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, then I really have to think about it because, you know, I also do want to fill my physical pantry <laughs> with yeah. food. So it's like this really interesting balance of trying to trying to figure out what my value system is all the time because it changes. It's like each each opportunity poses a different question or a different, you know, a different lane or a different channel for, you know, creativity. And I, I just have to know like what it is that I want out of that thing. But don't you think it's really amazing that our value system does indeed change? And I think it's those yeah. who just say, well, you know, I'd never accept a gig that was, mm, or I'd never do that, or I'm not going to speak to that person because, it, you know, that person is not going to chime in with my own value system. And I think, yeah. we, I think we miss out an awful lot in that way because it's, I think our value system becomes a kind mm. of inbuilt prejudice that we wear with pride and i think once we're wearing something with pride (laughs) it's not so good (laughs) i absolutely i think you're totally right i think i think we have to be careful to also not use the word never because i don't know that we can really say that in our in our lifetime as complicated human beings that will never do this or never do that maybe maybe there's certain things that really just do do great against who you are and, you know, I think it's important to to do your best to not do those things, you know, if you can. Um, but also, you know, being an artist is, is, is challenging. I feel like people who are going to be tuning into this know that. That's just preaching to the choir. But it's hard to survive it, you know, from, from a, sometimes from a financial standpoint, from a, a spiritual standpoint, from an ego standpoint. And all mm. of those things have to kind of be... Uh, broken down and distilled and uh, and you know I at least constantly evaluate if I'm if my motives are right you know because life is long (laughs) and sometimes it can get confusing and for me if if the music is first and the art is happening I feel like those are just good motives and the best things have kind of come from that sort of a compass okay I think that's interesting I'm also going to say that this weather is changing all the time. And I close the blinds because... Is it uh, sunny there? Well, it was a minute ago, which was absolutely wonderful because to get the sun in London town at the moment feels a rare thing. You you are you are embraced by the sunshine. I know. It's it's unfair, but not today. Today it's, it's pouring rain here. Oh, but then you're going to be rejoicing because you never get rain. We never get, I love it. I love, I mean, I'm, I'm the person I wear black every day. Jacob and I always laugh about this because he, he wears maximum color. And every time I see him, I'm just like in black. (laughs) It's like, we are the opposite of each other, but, but it's, it's perfect. Well, what I like about that is that, you know, in LA, presumably you should be wearing the bright color and because London is just so gray and dreary, we should just be enfolded in black. So there's something really nice about that. I want to come back to the, um, the motives being right, because again, it's quite hard to know when the motives are right, when Hmm. we forget that we're speaking from the ego and... Hmm. Hmm. Bearing in mind the ego is always there, and and I'm not saying you must go away and and you're a terrible thing, but I think the awareness is a really really big thing. Hmm. But 
I think sometimes I've been guilty of thinking that my motives are absolutely right, but actually I'm not looking at one really big aspect of it, which is yeah. absolutely to do with me. And that's a difficult thing. I mean, I think it's interesting mm. that you are, yeah, you're you're the same age as, as my middle one. And um, Jake has always said, oh, Madison is just, she's really, she's really wise and really old for her years. And I'm sure mm. it's not the first time it's been said of you. But it's mm. quite interesting because I, I wonder what, what you feel gives you a certain kind of, I think wisdom is, is, is not the right word, but a certain kind of knowing. Hmm. I, I, yeah, wisdom is, is such an interesting word too, though. Um, I think I, I try to observe and I try to allow myself to sit with my, my thoughts and observations. And I, I, you know, cause I think I'm by nature, a, um, a people pleaser and I, okay. I like peace and I like, um, <laughs> I like friendship. I don't like, you know, conflict in any way. And a friend said to me recently, he was like, well, knowing that about yourself, knowing that you're a people pleaser, make sure that you keep your circles pretty small. So you're pleasing the right people. Oh, that's Which, really I, interesting. It's really good. I and, and And I don't think he meant like, you know, cut everybody else out. I think he just was like, be very cautious with who you just give everything to. Um, and I, I've, I've abided by that. Like I, I, there's certain voices that I let influence me and other voices that I really take with a grain of salt. And I think maybe that's, that's where the knowing comes from, which is just having done the wrong thing a lot of times and, and trying to back up and, and view it from a bird's eye, you know, perspective and try and change, you know? And yeah, I've, I've always been really cautious about, uh, just saying yes to everything that comes my way. Like there has to be a, a really good reason for it because I know that I would, my tendencies are to just say yes out of, out of convenience even sometimes. So have you, not so no. in the times that you have said yes in, in times past, out of convenience and out of the kind of people pleasing capacity, which I think we all have. And I think it's just very generous of you to say that you have that in you. I definitely do have it in me. Mm. But do you then have to renegade and say, oh, actually, maybe I can't do that? Or do you go through and you just think, well, I'm here now. Um, I've got to do this thing, but I've learned and I'm not going to do it again. I think there's like an element to it's also important to keep your word, I guess. So, I, you know, I've done that before where I've been like, I've said yes to something and immediately after I'm like, man, that this is the wrong thing. But I've said yes. And I don't, I'm always kind of weighing like, will will the other person get hurt in this if I say no? Am I screwing them over? Am I, it's mm -hmm. like, there's a, all of those elements to consider. But I, I'd also have the attitude of like, you know what? What's done is done. Is this death? No. No. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. You know, I think COVID helped me with that because it, you know, everything was measured against kind of life and death. And it was, yes. And on the other side of it, it really made me a little bit more of a like free spirited person because I was like, you know what? This is just, this is just, you know, a cut on the knee. This isn't, this isn't, you know, terminal, whatever it is. It's like we, sometimes we just make these, 
we make enormous problems out of uh, out of very small things and i I, it causes me to wonder like what am i going to do when the enormous problem arises if (laughs) you know if this is how i'm reacting to small things so perspective's important i'd still say that um at your age it's really um that's really amazing that you can that you see that with such a sense of clarity and i think it's also very it's very hard hitting to look somebody else in the eye and just say it's not death is it and it's true (laughs) and it and it really it really isn't yeah but actually to mention d word is just something that we don't do anyway and i think especially uh, with regard to covid and i know that you've gone through grief and sorrow yourself Mm. i really feel that the d word needs Mm. to be demystified and that we can talk about it because in fact Certainly, it really does enable me to enjoy the moment just so much more and to realize, you know, I, I, I actually am here, skin and bones, and I've got to my age. And, and is it terrible that we're growing older? Well, I just feel really glad to be here. Yes. Seriously. Yes. And we're, we're so funny. We're so silly about numbers and age. And, but really, every year that, you know, I, I get older, I feel the same way. I'm just like I'm I'm just happy to be a part of this moment and to um have facility over my fingers and my mind and my as much as I possibly can and and I get to play music and you know it's all these things that you have to sort of uh remind yourself of while the reality is also true that it's very complicated and difficult to be a, a person and and then I think also alive in this age too it's it's very it feels very unprecedented to me. And to like, I'm actually, Jacob and I were talking about this TED talk that he watched. Uh, I guess there was this death doula that was talking about how she had, you know, witnessed so many people dying that she, it caused her to think about how she wanted to die and the way she wanted to kind of do that, but also the way she wanted to live. Yeah. And that's just so, I think, I think, I wonder if we can really know how we want to live if we don't actually think about the D word. I think that's, I think that's absolutely wonderful because actually the D word is something that I think fills so much, fills so many of us with pure dread, something that is completely undiluted. Hmm. And, um, Hmm. Speaking to somebody the the other day who's just turned um, uh, uh, another decade, and just saying, "Well, you know, I'm not going to plan ten years from now because um, loads of people aren't going to be here. I'm not. I may not be here in ten years' time, so I'm not even going to think about it." And there was something that wasn't. It wasn't just I'm just living in the moment. It was really. Hmm. It was there was something very sad about it because it was well. I have no yeah. right to even plan or think ahead or imagine. And I think once imagination um, and indeed the curiosity of looking ahead um, disappears, hmm. then that's a bit of a sad thing. And I think it can yeah. stop us from embracing the present moment. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, I I agree with you. I think we should always understand that we have a right to imagine something better for ourselves. Like, I don't think that that quits with age. I really don't, you know, I'm so, so many incredible musicians didn't even pick up instruments till they were in their forties. You know, it's like, 
life life is long and every bit of it should be leaned into you know every moment right we're we're incredibly lucky but if every bit of age should be leaned into i really love the idea of leaning into it because um it implies again really embracing and just saying this is okay hmm i wonder actually who you are most drawn to as far as if we're thinking about age you know who are your hmm. gurus who are the people that you look up to are they people actually who are your age are they the cutting edge younger ones are they a lot older are they a bit older hmm. what what kind of people i wonder if you're just if you just take a moment and you think about those who are really important to you now where are they on the age spectrum you know i've always hung out with people who are older than me and that might also be uh, a a part of the knowing thing which I is think just it might be being around people who are very wise and yes. and soaking that in and um i'm the oldest in my family also so i think i just was always looking for people who were older than me cuz i felt like i was the you know i was i was the oldest i was and i i wanted i i needed advice and i mean i would say like the you know, the Chris Thiele's of the world, the Tyler Chester's, the, um, God, so many incredible musicians who just like came alongside me and, and helped me yeah. become the musician that I am or like Sarah Watkins and, oh, yeah. um, God, who else? Uh, Sarah Bareilles and like the Lucius girls. Like uh, those are, those are people that I am deeply drawn to that I feel like a kinship with. Um, and, and also Jacob, like, I told him when we met that he was one of the first people that I was like, we're, we're, I look up to you so much, but we are peers also. I like we're know. the same age. And well, I think he might be two years older than me, but still it's like, we're in the same moment where we're dealing with the same sort of industry. Yes. Um, And sort of, we're both at the beginning in a lot of ways and having those conversations with him has been incredibly enlightening and it, it reminded me how important it is to have people in your life who are your own age as well. I know I know what you mean about how important it is to have people um, your own age with whom you can relate. But I think it's really, really interesting that if we then cut the tag of age and so we're just, we are ageless, yeah. then we've got something which is a completely open canvas. And what's happening is you're just being drawn to those who you feel either mm. you have an affinity or a kinship with. Having said that, I think when once in a blue moon, you do meet somebody who is your own age, who might be going along a similar kind of a, a journey, which is questing, which is not saying, I know what I want to be in a few years time. It's just yeah. kind of living this moment, not saying yes to everything, but embracing yeah. what you do believe in. Then I think that is special indeed. And I think you and Jacob both share those aspects mm -hmm. of, um, of life. But it's lovely to get rid of the age stamp. It's I, an absolutely amazing freedom to do that. I agree. It's 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 kind of useless. I, I really don't think it matters. It's like there's so many people that, again, that I'm f close, dear friends with that we're we're like decades apart. But it doesn't. It, it, that's that's not the point. It's a spiritual, um, you know, mental connection with somebody that you're like we we share these values. We we can conversate fluidly we can like confide in each other like that to me has never been i've never looked to age for that i've always looked for the person you know 
Okay, so if you've always looked for the person, it seems like you have found a real partner, somebody with whom you are spending your life. And you knew a long time ago that this this wonderful Austin was the person for you. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, how, how did that actually happen for you? And how did you know? Such a great question. Well, so we met, we, we met each other when I was 13 and he was 15. Oh, and yes, <laughs> we were, we were definitely babies and he, we were just really good friends and, you know, we were awkward kids. We didn't like each other or anything. We just were, we, I just really thought he was a very mature person and he still is. He's one of the most uh, mature and intelligent people that I know in my life and have in my life. And he, uh, when he was going away to college, um, I was probably, I was 16 at, at that time. And then two years later, he, he kept coming back every summer and I had turned 18 and we just started to like the tides started to, to shift. And we were both like, huh, okay. So now we're not just friends. There's something deeper here. And we, we ended up falling in love and never broke up from ages 18 to now I'm 26 and he's 28. So we've been together for almost, almost nine years, which is, you know, it's, and it's also one of those things that I think both of us just felt we were committed enough to, to make it work and to like, and we still are, we work at it and we, and I guess that's the knowing, I guess it's the choice. It's the, oh, it's a bit indeed. It is an absolute positive choice. And you say, but nowadays, all sorts of things are really difficult for young people as they grow up. But yeah. again, you you haven't kind of cut the normal kind of slice of life by committing, right. committing to another human being at that young age. And uh, that means that un unlike if you were born 50 years previously, hmm. you'd be told that you were towing the line and you'd be doing what is actually expected of you. Yes. But you have done exactly what no one necessarily expects of you or or did they did did folks around you just think oh we're expecting that these guys are gonna um hook up and they're gonna um commit to each other at a really early age did you feel that anyone said that you know i think maybe our parents hmm. felt that way maybe maybe a handful of other people that were around us just because of the environment we were in but everyone in my life um out outside of of the immediate like Orange County community that I was I was starting to build in LA, they, it was a shock to everyone. They were like, "What? Yeah, this is no one does this," and it continues to be a bit like <laughs> polarizing. And I love it. I I really I do. And and I, for me, I'm convinced. It's like I don't think I would be able to stay grounded in the way that I have without him. We really grew up together. We like, he's seen mm. me through every stage since I was 13 years old and, you know, has been along for the ride and I've been along for, you know, the the ride of his life too. And it's, it's this beautiful thing that like no one else is going to be able to know me that intimately ever, no matter no. what. Actually, no matter what, it's really, really true. I like the idea in a in a slightly naughty way that lots <laughs> of people in the world who do not know you but know that you um, two um, were committed to each other at a very early age will surmise all sorts of different things and they'll hit the wrong button and they won't mm. really get it because actually I don't mm. think it really matters so much about religious conviction. 
I think Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is something that goes so much to the core of your being that in a sense, you just can't argue with it. Yes. Yeah. With him, again, it it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a religious thing. I think for us, we both were, I, I just always felt, I was like, if it's not him, I don't know who else it would be. Who else could like sort of wade through these waters with me? And that has been, that's continued to be true. And we, again, we've like, we've come out of sort of the, like, the church together and we grew up together and we like, cause that's, that's, I guess I didn't say that, but that was the environment that we sort of grew up in, which is really interesting. And, um, you know, again, we've, we've been able to like bounce a lot of heavy topics of conversation off of each other. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world. It's very, very special. Well, I think so because I mean, in many ways, I think so many people who are listening would say, you were really lucky. You had that church background. Presumably, you were, you were able to play in church, right? Well. Exactly. Yeah. That that's how I really started playing music was was in church, and I, I was young. I was probably ten, and I did that till I was like sixteen or seventeen, and it taught me how to play in front of people and to play to something bigger than yourself and to like um, play with a band. All those things are like novel concepts, and until you experience it and experience, you know, the gaps in your own playing and ability, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really did form me in a, in a lot of ways. And, you know, in ways that I probably didn't even realize were happening at, you know, at the time. No, because you just embrace this is life. And this is just happened yeah. through what you're doing. And I think if somebody were at that stage to say to you, Oh, write down, write down all the skills that you think you're getting from this. I'm not sure that we would have been able to quantify it at the time. But I think exactly. looking back retrospectively, I think it's really amazing to be seriously thankful for that background. Yeah. Now, the thing is that you're right, no one is going to understand you better than your pal, your partner in crime, who went yeah. through all the kind of manifestations of what it felt like to go through the church experience all the way through your teens and then to embrace whatever you have done in your yeah. 20s. And I think that however you are evolving, and I don't know how you're evolving with regards to to that background that you have had, but yeah. you're evolving together yeah. and you're thinking about things together. So how... How do you both feel about that background and that mm. idea of being part of the church and that just being life? How does it feel these days being both of you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 in constant dialogue. I think we're both, it, you know, it was a complicated background and there's a lot of work that we've done and, you know, to get to a place where we've, I think, just embraced the mystery of of life. And I, I think we're both at a place where we're like, who can really say what, you know, <laughs> sounds great, how we got here or what, yeah. like, but all we, we can do is love people and all mm-hmm. we can do is love each other and like, and learn about new ways to do that. And that's kind of where we've landed as, you know, I, I guess it in, in some ways it's so much more opaque than the sort of narrative that religion has. And there is something nice about, about having sort of like a ledge to hang on from and being like, this is what I believe and this is, but you know, the, the more that I experience, I just can't, I can't say that with certainty. Um, so 
But I'm, maybe, I'm, but maybe the humility with which you say these words now, and it doesn't mean that you're going to say these words tomorrow or the next day or the next yeah. year. This is where you are at just right now. Exactly. But it strikes me that the way that you describe how perhaps you both feel is again really um all encompassing it's 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 building bridges rather than putting boundaries um yes. up between people and saying well i i believe in this and, and you don't and that means that we are different in this kind of a way it sounds like yeah in your humility you are you are open to all and you're able to give and receive from all which it's, is exactly and that is such a beautiful place to see the world from and it's it's not as polarizing and it's not as mm. um it's definitely not black and white but it's true once you like pr proclaim like this is this is what i am and this is what i believe which there's mm. nothing there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but i think i think the danger is in shutting off your curiosity and and the dialogue like i think when when people land on something they they quit wanting to really talk about it because it it's debate it's not conversation. Do you know so what this, I mean? This is the second time that we've come to a place where we are acknowledging that when we are stuck in something, it's it's a really hard place to be. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of people in the world would say that sometimes when you feel that you are hanging on to a set of values or um, mm. a certain type of thinking, that that makes you feel safe. But maybe what mm. we're saying is that we're finding safety with with literally without that hmm so maybe maybe safety is on. danger yes like, that exactly in, in a way yeah so it's it's kind of counterintuitive isn't it to think that we define safety as being what we know and we like what we mm. know and we know what we like but actually <laughs> let's we come back to you thinking about what kind of jobs you take and you say well actually if there's a bit of fear in there and there's a bit of challenge and maybe we could have said a bit of danger in there then yeah. that's a great place to be and in fact you can feel incredibly safe in that atmosphere that feels unpredictable and it's not a place of knowing but it's a place of open to discovery exactly and that is why when I left Orange County and went into music and was being challenged in every other area in my life, it felt weird to just be like, well, this is the one area in where I'm going to stop challenging myself and I'm going to just hunker down here. Like that didn't make any sense to me. So I, I think that's why I, I, I got, I arrived to that conclusion of like, I'm, I, I, I want to be open to the, to the challenge of other ideas. I don't want to just put my anchor in like here. And, and you know, for many reasons, some people could um, um, interpret that in a different way, and to say, and they would say, actually, I'm specialising and I'm hunkering down in a particular mm. kind of a way because mm. I want to be so expert at my craft that I'm going to have the blinkers on and I'm just going to really kind of focus on in there. Now, that's mm. not what you're saying, is it? But so, I'm, again, I'm just clarifying because I feel that for folks who are, mm. are listening in, it's a real there's a real fine line in there. Yes. So I don't think either of us are saying it is wrong to kind of just say, you know, something I want to focus on my craft. But I think it is really important to realize that sometimes to hone our craft, that means really being open to a much, much wider spectrum than, than we could ever imagine could be helpful. And it also means being willing to suck at something. Because I think sometimes when I think about specializing 
in something, it's it's for the sake of getting good at at that thing and and wanting to go deeper with that thing. But sometimes I wonder, I'm like, is this, who is this for? Is it just for me to feel good about myself? And and I think that's why sometimes I'll play songs that you know I've played for years, as opposed to trying out new ones because the new ones are going to make me look a little bit underprepared because that's what happens when you do something new, yes. you know? Um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's not saying do not, uh, specialize in, in something and work hard at one thing. Mm. It's more just saying do that and then remain open and do it all over again. <laughs> oh, I love it. That really, that makes super sense. And actually, just to go back to a, a phrase that you coined a, a moment ago when you said, actually, you know, um, maybe I'm specializing just because it feels good to me. And I think you mm. were implying that maybe, you know, that's not kind of enough. But I think mm. uh, it's a bit like um, self-worth and, and what we look like and what we appear to be. I think sometimes it is really important to say, I'm playing this and I'm making a sound that feels really, really good to me and I'm really mm -hmm. enjoying my own sound and that that is actually really okay to it's say absolutely. that I am doing that for me at that moment because it means yes. that you're actively listening to what you are producing and and you can love it for its own sake. You absolutely should love it. Like you, you, uh, there's nothing wrong with, with getting to a place of actually liking what you do. Imagine that. Imagine being proud of what, of what you're creating. And you no, know, but you know, like I, yeah, I don't think there, I don't think that's egotistical at all. I used to have a friend, still have a friend. And, and he, he said he would show me songs of his and I would be like, oh, that is amazing. And he would say, I know, right? <laughs> and he wasn't, it was like, and when I say that there was all ego completely erased from that comment, that is actually true. He was actually saying like, I know I found this thing because he's digging all the time. He's just like, I'm just, it's all there. I just pulled it up yeah. because I was, I was working at it and I, I get to be like, this is cool. Right. You know? So I think, I think absolutely take pride in your craft, not ego. And there's difference. There's a difference. Pride to me is also like, it's a product of confidence. And that is so important. I know Jacob talks about that a lot. It's like the the more confident that you are, the more confident people around you feel like they can be. That's true. But I think perhaps we need to explore the essence of, um, of confidence. But yes, I think I, um, I saw a very dear friend who's a, a, a singer friend of mine. I said, do you know something? You look really beautiful today and I really love what you're wearing. <laughs> you look great. And she, again, was just able to say, thanks, that's really great. I'm having a good day. And I think, totally. and, I, and I said to her, I said, isn't it difficult? It's, it's really like when somebody says, I really love the way that you play. I find often that my first instinct is to say, oh, well, you know, oh, I struck yes. lucky or, um, oh, I got this from a charity shop. So, and I'm really tempted to kind of say all that. To put and, yourself down almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've really realized that this isn't what it's all about. And I know that. I think I've always known that at some kind of deep level. But in a sense, you're putting down somebody else's comment by saying that. And so you're devaluing. So somebody says they really liked you playing in, in that particular situation and maybe you didn't feel that brilliant about it, but we can't devalue what somebody else says just because of our own ego. 
Very well said. Uh, actually, that's an interesting topic of conversation. Like, how can we, how can we actually receive compliments in a way that is genuine and not deflecting mm -hmm. or not? Because usually, I think, I think, for, at least in my experience, if I want, if someone comp compliments me, of course it makes me feel good. So why, why do I feel like I have to turn it down almost? So is it that we want to prove that we have an awareness that actually we know that we didn't get every note in the way that we wanted to, or we know that, you know, we're not perfect to look at, or, or is it something hmm. to do with that, that, you know, we're trying to pride ourselves that we have the awareness that we, we know we didn't do the best job ever or whatever? I, I think that's certainly true. That's definitely been true for me. I, I, I know if I've had a show that's felt like, ah, I didn't feel like I was I was firing on all cylinders. If and someone compliments me, my first instinct is to just just berate them with <laughs> disclaimers, which is not comfortable for people all the time. You know, it's like it's definitely not fair. But I I something in me craves to to be at least validated and like I if you felt that it wasn't good, I felt that way too. Just so you know. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I think it's a pride thing, for sure. But I also think that I really am trying to understand this at the raw level, that when we play and we perform and we give something, it is not our right to judge how somebody else has received something. And somebody yeah. might be just so touched by the one thing that you did that you feel perhaps wasn't the greatest thing hmm. ever. And it is not our right to take that away in any yeah. sense and make it about us. I think that that is a uh, convicting me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just believing it more just as I, as I say it and I just explore it because I think it just is a, I think it's a thing in there. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you, have you found any method of, sort of just taking in a compliment what do you do do you just say thank you and how are you doing like well what's your what's your mode i think i don't have a mode per se i don't have a method per se and i i think i don't get it right a lot of the time hmm. but i think when it does happen and it works well in that interaction we've talked a lot about dialogue and so here we are talking about you know interaction i think it's good if i can actually discover why they felt like that what is it that touched you or what do you mm. been what 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 has it made you think about in that way because in a sense that makes my experience so much more whole and um it makes me understand mm. why you might have said something and i That's think in good. the main that if you really do give out to somebody else if you really listen to the th words that they're saying with that compliment mm. or what they're saying, and then you really respond in a real way, then that response that you hear, which will be the deeper meaning, will really resonate somehow because you've mm. asked of it in an honest way. So I just think that really when people, when people are complimenting, it normally comes from a real place within them. And if you want to mm. know a little bit more and you ask it in a genuine way, I think you'll get genuine back. That's good. I'm I'm trying that next time. <laughs> and not just I'm not going to deflect. <laughs> yeah. It's so much easier to deflect, isn't it? 
It is. Is it your? Is this your space that you call your own, or is it a shared kind of concentration space? You know, you've got. Okay, there is a guitar there. And there are there are books on the shelf. <laughs> um, oh, there's more. Okay, sorry, I th- you were you were hiding some. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so is this is this your space? Well, I my partner would say that this is my space, but this was supposed to be our space. So. <laughs> <laughs> You you can sense the uh, the dysfunction in that phrase. I'm I'm basically just have far too many amps. We had a brief intermission because um, audio over all these miles can be a bit of a dodgy thing. But yeah, but actually it gave me a little bit of time to think because I think it's interesting what's unnerving because uh, my light has been up and down throughout this thing and then your audio went a little bit AWOL and yet we're still having a conversation and I still feel that we are joined at the hilt and and very, very kind of focused with some of the things that we're talking about, which are not necessarily easy. Um, but I think what I've been thinking about while you while you changed over everything is the idea that you have got people who've influenced the way you are and you are looking into the future and you're able to embrace that and feel, yep, I'm I'm welcoming life in. And you have definitely said, you've definitely said that when you write lyrics that there is, um, that you've put in little nuggets that speak to your future self. And it's like something that has really stuck with me. And I, I read that and just Jacob and I discussed it a long, long time ago about the idea of doing that. But I think my question to you is not in a kind of hackneyed way. I really mean it in a genuine way. What kind of things would you say to your past self? So this is the past self that has grown up in a really large family in a church environment where you met your other half at a really young age. I don't know how it felt being homeschooled. I don't know what it was like to be the oldest sibling. But what would you say to that past self now that would just make you feel better about everything? Oh, that could make me cry because you only know what you know at that time. And, and mm. you know, I guess we all have to have grace with ourselves because... That you know, that's we we don't get a view into the future. We don't. All we have is like our instinct and our gut. And I think what I would say, if I could have, would just be, I was just such a nervous kid. I was the oldest. I wanted to do right by my parents, and I wanted to do right by people. I didn't want to be a disappointment. It was just weird stuff that I had and have and have to work through. I think I would have, I would have just said, don't don't be afraid and don't um, hold anything back. Like be your strangest, most free and dorky self and, and the right people will accept you for it. You know? Yeah. I think I just, I think that's my biggest regret in my life is being overly cautious about things and, and being afraid to really live. I wonder whether we would have been friends if we were around at the same time and lived in the mm. same place. And my feeling is, yes. Mm. And one of the reasons why is because if you'd asked me that question, I wonder whether I would have said something really similar in mm. there. And but then I think, well, maybe it's just a really universal thing. And maybe 
the majority of us are are kind of nervous and we want to do right by everybody and we don't want to disappoint and um mm. and it does make us overly cautious that does really relieve me to hear you say that because you know in my mind i'm like it, it, am i the only one who like you know as a teenager didn't fully maybe come into my own skin and I, I guess that is like that is a very weird time but even like in my early 20s i just I still felt too scared to share my opinions to ask myself what they even were and i still feel the effects of that now and you know something i think we wear our scars and i think we should wear them with pride because mm. i think all the lyrics that you've ever written that have made me cry all <laughs> the thoughts um that i've ever thought about perhaps how you are as an artist and a woman in this world hmm. you are all those things because of all the hesitations and because um hmm. of really wanting to do right by everybody and i think you know the idea that you're saying ah oh, i wish that i had been able to share my opinions a bit more freely i hmm. think now and going forward and even in times past the thing about sharing opinions it's how you share them if you yes. it's the same thing you have a choice you can share them to put somebody else down or to say that you are superior in some kind of a way or you can share yeah. opinions just because you feel free enough and safe enough so to do and yes i'm not saying that people made you feel unsafe but i think your want to not disappoint meant that you made yourself um feel unsafe to do such a thing I'm sure people were not totally. saying, "Oh, you can't say anything." You just totally. decided you weren't going to do it. Yeah, it's an it's exactly right. It's a it's a a sort of inner blocking or something. It's this it's this thing that you convince yourself of that maybe you're not, you know, you're not capable of of speaking into certain things. And I think you know this, some of that is certainly co colored by my background for sure. But I, you're right in terms of the on, the loudest voice that really ever says that is my own. Yes, you know, that really ever keeps me from from doing that. And, and you know, again, thankfully I've done a lot of work on it and mm. it's I'm at a place where I feel like also in my songs, that's the perfect sort of canvas to figure all that out on. And that's what I that's what I've done and that's what I do and that and that's why I love writing songs is because it's like it's given me time to to formulate my thoughts and to understand what my opinions are. Songs are you could say whatever you want. <laughs> I think you can, but I think what's interesting is that if you're saying that writing your songs it's like having a canvas and I really mm. get that. Then mm. and you also talk about how perhaps it has been hard to share your opinions in times past. Then aren't you worried about judgment or have you ever been worried about judgment when you write those lyrics because they're not lyrics that you've just written for your own little room that you're in. In yeah. fact, you release them to the world and you've gotten used to releasing them to the world. So are you afraid of of the judgment of others when you share your opinions and your songs? Of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I I wish that I wasn't, but I and I would say like I said to you there's certain voices that I allow to influence me, so I get more worried about what the the people that I respect truly think about it other than, you know, I don't know, like some weird music publication or, you know, like I mm. I I think people can be overly hard on things and unkind and I don't I don't I don't love music journalism. I don't know 
if it's always, unless it's just propping people up, I don't know if it's helpful. I, I just doubt it, but um, I, I don't worry about it. I, I try not to. I just try to keep getting better and and analyze things honestly, which is very hard to do with yourself. It's really hard to look at who you are and understand your your pitfalls yeah. and and try to overcome them. It's it's usually very painful. It's really true. I think it can be. You strike me as someone who's very good at looking at yourself and and your situation and almost like finding joy in adjusting or like getting better. You seem like you're constantly doing that with yourself and in your life and without knowing you very well, maybe that's just like a, a you know, a, a wrong judgment, but that's every time I've heard you speak, it feels like you're very in tune with, with yourself and your life and your thoughts. And I, that's just such a beautiful thing to be around. Um, that's really so dear of you, of all people, to to say. I think you said something about you know the joy of in adjusting. Maybe that I feel that, and I think, I think when you're really having a conversation with somebody, hmm. if you just allow yourself to adjust the whole time because you're just listening to that other person, that means hmm. that we don't have to have a menu, or we don't have to have a a set of things that we need to say. Then the conversation is really going to come a light isn't it and it's going to just feel mm. that it's a really interesting process however Ooh, you know the, the pitfalls of that are that you may not be towing the line hmm. we may, may not be talking about all the things that people want us to talk about in a podcast people may have all sorts of expectation and maybe those expectations may not be met and i think hmm. if we talk about expectation i really i really wonder not just because of the the Grammy, and I, I know I have a, a little idea mm. of perhaps what kind of an impact that can make, but I yeah. wonder how expectation has changed maybe over the last 10 years of your life um, mm. with regard to how other people perceive you. You know, I mean, I there was such a beautiful phase, I think, before I really started thinking about who would be listening to my music. Um, <laughs> oh, it's golden, isn't it? So golden. It, it's such a beautiful time. Yeah. I just was, so, I was like a kid just stringing beads just for hours. It just was like free and exciting. And I had no voices in my head whatsoever. And I, I really envy that time. Um, and I would, I would absolutely go back there if I could. Yes. But I think also the, the pressures of everything also becomes an instrument that you learn how to play for yourself. Like it, it, you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to get better at songs and better at guitar and being a band leader and yes. being a singer, all of these things. And, and that, that is the, the one thing that I'm still learning how to play and to wield and to not, uh, allow it to like play on me. And yeah, the little things sort of can get in your head. Like Grammys are certainly w one of those things. And, and I think I've, I've made a conscious effort to, not make music for that and i haven't and i'm proud of that oh, and, and yes it's it's come my way unexpectedly and and each time i was shocked and i want to stay that way i want it to feel like a bonus not mm -hmm. not the reward or not the like the thing that i'm not the apex um and also like i guess that, that the real question is it's like what are we making music for like what 
Because there is inevitably like a ceiling to sort of the business side of things and to depending on who you want to be and what kind of an artist you think you are and For sure. see yourself as, you know. Yes. But I guess it comes back to our earlier conversation where for me, if, you know, the rule of of honesty and the art coming first is at play, everything else becomes just a little bit clearer. So I try to keep that in front of me at all times and like l- let that be my only challenge and my only discouragement and my only joy you know which is like is this is this good is this bad is this you know of course they're just parts of business and stuff that are really important to be in tune with because because it's also a part of your story and a part of your art and a part of all you know it's all those things but um yeah i really i really try to not let certain things distract me so I, after after the last album uh won that award like i it was really strange i felt liberated there was no part of me that thought oh i can't do this again this is the one it made me actually go i want the next thing to just be better i just want it to oh, be yes. broader and deeper and i don't care if it gets recognition or not i, I really don't I, I just want it to i want to know in my heart that it was better or not even better, just truer. I think that's really what it is. Like, it's not about outdoing yourself in an acrobatic way. It can be if you want it to be, mm-hmm. but I'm always just trying to like shed the technicality piece to get to the sincerity piece. And that is a lifetime of work, a lifetime of work. I, I met, had coffee with a friend actually right after the Grammys and she's one of my favorite guitar players and she's a hero and I asked her to meet for lunch and I was nervous and I showed up and I'll never forget like just the way her hair looked from the back. She was sitting at a, at a booth uh, waiting for me and I was a little bit late and I sat down and we just started talking about life and music and getting to know each other. And she said to me, she was like, I'm so happy that you won that award, but I'm so excited for what's next because I can tell that you're still holding something back. Oh, and I, <laughs> It meant it, I was not even a little bit offended by it. It actually gave me excitement because I was like, "This this means that there's more. I have more to say." Yes, I'm not I'm not over, and it made me feel like I was like a kid again in a in a really positive way at the beginning of just trying to write a good song, and that's kind of the forever you know assignment. So I'm for whatever comes next. I'm like, okay, what am I? What are my secrets? What am I holding back from myself and from, uh, you know, the audience? Well, perhaps, it's, it's, perhaps it's all about going back to sharing opinions. And yes. is this is this in you just thinking? Well, I think it's safe enough to share this right now, and so I'm going to do this. And yes. I think, I think your friend is right, and I think that you are absolutely at the beginning, and I think that you can honestly do anything that you feel you want to do if you feel it is an even truer version of yourself. Yes, yes, and that's that's the I think everybody's you know prime desire is to oh, I mean hopefully <laughs> you know maybe maybe there's a you know. A, a different opinion out there that would say that maybe, I don't know, that they don't really care about their truest self, which is cool. Respect. But I do think that, that it's, um, it's not an easy task and you have to be a willing participant in, 
in finding that out for yourself. Mm. And you may be surprised in a way that is slightly shocking what your truer self is and where it's leading mm. to in your music. And yeah. for those of us coming back to expectation for all those thinking the next album is going to be just like the last one, but a little bit more. I think actually when you tune into your truer self, you don't know what's going to come out at all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the second that I think that I do, I do think there's a little bit of trouble there, or at least like my faucet is sort of turned off and I want, I want it to just be running. I just want it. I, mm. I, I, I like being surprised too. And there's like, you know, great authors who talk about like the idea of writing a book and writing stories always say when when you bring a character into the narrative and say this character knocks on the door you as the author shouldn't know who it is yet until you open the door which is really interesting <laughs> i love that so much and i think about that in music it's like how can how can i open the door to a new character and 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 will this character to be there but also not know who it is myself yet so but it's, I think that's it's important. constantly being open to possibility. And I think, yes, it's trusting in the process. But you talk about the faucet being kind of on. It's about the flow in there and, yes. a, and literally allowing it to come out. So in the same way that small Madison would have maybe just thought, mm. I can't really share my opinions right now. And I, I, I really don't want to disappoint and I don't want to do this. Mm. Maybe older Madison is saying, actually, I think I can. And I think I can yes. just do this. And it's not even in the name of flow. I think flow will just happen if you're able mm. to follow that instinct in the same instinct and the same gut that says, I think I will do this job and I'll work with you or I won't talk to you and I will do this. I think it's the same instinct. Yes, I think I think that's completely correct. And the best advice anybody ever had said to me when I I, f I first signed with the label I'm with now. Um, they just were like, pay attention to your gut. It's always, it's usually right. Yes. And that is what I, I try to do. If something feels wrong, I, I, I usually just trust that it might just be wrong. Yes. And, and usually that's right. Sometimes it's wrong, but, but more often than not, your gut is a, is a good compass. It just is. <laughs> I think that's really true. But you're talking about how you think, but in a partnership, you've really got somebody with whom you can discuss all this, but presumably yeah. does not always have exactly the same point of view as you. No, exactly. Which is encouraged. That's invited. I, I, again, like growing up in a religious environment that that's sort of the temperature which is like everybody thinks the same it's like everyone's pulse is aligned everyone it's like that that can be a beautiful thing it's a tribal thing in a way it's yes. like every it's like everybody's yes, kind agree. of running in the same direction but what what you don't see invited to that table is dialogue questions conversations and i think having that in a partnership is also important somebody that actually disagrees with you on certain things or you know, not in a necessarily fundamental way, but in a way that's like, I, I, I like this color and you don't and or whatever it is. I think that's just very important to bring uh, vigor and and, you know, challenge to to your life. Well, no, that's the thing, isn't it? That you talk at the beginning, you talked so much about challenge and how 
it's really great yes. to be challenged unless it's just gone over the line it just feels ridiculous and <laughs> surely in the same way that you know you can see you can hear a chord in a thousand different ways because of how you approach it or a line um, can mm. be different you know no matter what you're playing it's about being able to see the perspectives around and i think yes. if somebody's there saying well you may not be right about that i would just have a think about it I think yes. maybe the older we get, we can not be frightened by somebody challenging us and think, oh, mm. well, maybe I just shouldn't do it. Maybe it's just kind of, oh, well, you know, I hadn't even thought that that could be a possibility. Let's look at it. And I could still mm. decide the same thing. But maybe that's something that age brings. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe, yeah, maybe age does bring, you know, its aches and things, but also its enlightenment. Maybe yes. it brings all of it. Yeah. You, I mean... Yeah, you seem deeply wise and observant yourself. And I mean, also just like your kids are the same way too. That must, you must feel so proud. I'm amazed that there are three people in my life who I am so lucky to have this link with each of them. And they are, mm. or they are different from each other and yet they are all so incredibly similar. <laughs> and they, they challenge, they challenge me the whole time. And I, really love that because again if you if you don't have that dialogue then mm. i think i think relationships can exist and i think parent child relationships can exist but i feel really mm. grateful that it's a it feels like a level playing field yes you can tell you can tell that there's like respect among you all and is the youngest one 24 or no baby's 22 okay mm. got it they're all pretty close in age, or not yeah, far. Yeah, it's, it's it's not far apart. I mean, I do, I wonder how old the youngest one in your family is now. She's sixteen. Oh, baby, tiny! I know, baby girl. She's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I regret saying that. No, it's um, fine. She's not going to judge us for it, you know, because I'd already said that my twenty-two-year-old is a baby. So I mean, it's really I. It is. I promise you, world. It's said with so much love. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> the problem is she's the one person on earth who would judge me for saying that. But oh. you know what? It's okay. <laughs> she's, she can deal with it. But she, yeah, she's 10 years younger than me. So I just aged myself. But we don't care about age, right? No. We just talked about that. Um, she's, <laughs> she's so funny. She's funnier than all of us. And she was an accident. She knows this. So that I'm not like, you know, this isn't breaking news. She's not going to be shocked. <laughs> we were both accidents, actually. I was definitely nice. not supposed to be around for probably a hand, you know, full more years. But yeah, it's it's so interesting to be in a household of five girls. Like that was a wild upbringing. Well, it is. But you see, it's interesting because you're saying, you know, five girls. Well, Jacob's, you know, just been surrounded by girls and he wonders, right. how, and he wonders how different he would be had those sisters been brothers. He'd probably be extremely different. Yes. Isn't it strange? It's very strange. I, I know I would too. I would definitely be. But but yet, like I've grown up in a world where, you know, the, the music industry, I've, I've, I've gained like a a bunch of brothers really you know and i'm i'm very satisfied with those ones and then i love having sister you know it's just like I, I don't feel that i was necessarily robbed of of a brother because i was given like thousands <laughs> and you still and you still will be and presumably in your world as an 
epic, unbelievable guitarist, a lot of the people around you would be mm. classified as male. Yes, mm. certainly, certainly. Mm. I mean, that's a. I, I still feel like a lot of men are drawn to the instrument, which is really interesting. I think yeah. I think that's changing because there's so many women who are are leaving their mark on it, and that's a really fun time to be alive for and yeah, making absolutely. music inside of but yeah i think there's it's still like a male dominated thing and and so sometimes i'm like i look out at the audience i'm like man there's a lot of dudes here how, <laughs> how can we change this <laughs> i think it is changing and i think the moment that it's not a great big thing that we talk about is going to be such a kind of time to oh. rejoice <laughs> I can't wait to stop talking about it because I don't care. I really can't tell you how much I don't care. And also, like, I should say, I'll look out and I I see those fans and I and I view them with awe, too, because I'm like, I can't believe you care and I can't believe you're here. And and then, of course, there's like then there will be like the one like 10 year old girl who's there who like is learning guitar or like I do see a lot of women that is translating to them. And that is just like, wow, I could, I could die now and be happy knowing that. And, and also like, again, for the fact that anybody cares is, I, I don't take that for granted at, Too at true. All. No matter who you are in the world, if you care, again, we're not going to be ageist and we're not going to be sexist about this. We're no. really pleased that you're on board and you want to be a part of it. And that's really good. But I still Absolutely. think that I still think it's interesting being women in this world at this time. I think we are really lucky. I think all sorts of things have altered so hugely during our lifetimes mm. so far. And mm. I think it's the most unbelievable time to be a woman in this world. I do too. I know I'm, I'm, I, I feel like we're witnessing some very historic moments and getting to be a part of it. And I mean, I guess history is always being made. So it's kind of a silly thing to say in hindsight, but it really does feel like there's, there's this, this conversation that, we all get to participate in and you know even 50 years ago that conversation wasn't necessarily being had or no. more more now but um I, I just yeah i love i love what it means to make art in that space and also be a part of the conversation that's like can we not have this conversation anymore you know like i'm i'm really excited for us to <laughs> to move past it and to not get asked that in every interview what's it like being a female I'm like I don't I don't know I don't know I'm just a musician yeah I don't I, really I think it's I think it's wonderful I think the question is going to stop being asked I also think it's interesting that we have really gone to all sorts of places in this conversation but I must say before we before we say adieu I did a lot of journeying in the car last week to go and do mm. some work and the music system in the car is not very well and so the touch screen just doesn't work at all and i was stuck on xtc oranges and lemons for oh. for all i think seven hours in total with that there and back and it was the most wonderful soaking in of incredibleness and i know that oh you really love xtc but i just want to say it was such a luxury and i wouldn't have chosen that i would not have chosen that and yet i just feel so complete having experienced that 
Oranges and Lemons. Is that what it was called? That's the album. Or, I don't know that album. Am I? I have to go. Oh no, no, you're. Oh, I'm not doubting you. I'm. I'm doubting that I have done my proper due diligence. Nineteen eighty nine. Oh, if you don't know the album, it's got Paul Skeleton on it. Oh my god. Okay, I must have heard that tune independently of that album. But I. Oh, am <laughs> such. I, thank you. Now I know what I'm going to do today. Yeah. Please, please, also, please do. <laughs> and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll listen. You know, on my unwell. Uh, speaker system in my car because it's very unwell. Yes. It's, it's distorted and it's terrible. Or maybe I'll just listen on my headphones, but that is one of my favorite bands. I think Andy Partridge is oh, such a oh. creator. And Jacob and I actually, when I saw him last week, we just, we we were supposed to be re- recording and we didn't for like two hours because we were, we were sitting there doing some AI stuff because he was showing me some AI art and we were like geeking out over it. And then we were, just listening to XTC and reading his lyrics and just being like, this is, this is a masterclass. He really is just like one of my favorite writers ever. So good. Outrageous. But you know, it's really interesting not looking at the lyrics or just literally assimilating them because of, because of the repeat was absolutely incredible. And I really, please let me know how you feel about that album. I think it is extraordinary. I'll text you. Oh, yes, please do. <laughs> but I want to say thank you so much for being and so much for allowing me to come into your life when you could have said no and you could have said, no, I don't want to have a conversation. And you said oh. yes. And I want to say thank you for embracing that without fear. <laughs> there's there's no way I would have said no. This was, this was such an honor. And um, I could talk to you all afternoon. Thank you for making this happen. much for coming on board for this conversation there are many more i can't wait to share with you so do click the subscribe button and if you want to come and find me find me on instagram or patreon and i definitely hope to see you here really soon thanks so much